You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. And I'm your host, Richard Franzi. This is podcast episode number 1207. Becoming a strong and confident leader is crucial if you're looking to lead people to follow a common dream and goal. Christopher Jones created the Authentic Leader Framework based on seven key disciplines that can help you become more effective, confident, and consistent. That's why I've invited him to join us today to share more about it in depth. Christopher, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Well, hello, Rick. Uh, nice to hear you. I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to talk about the authentic leader. I know you're a coach and a speaker, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but maybe you could, for my audience, just give us a high-level path to your kind of career that brought you to this point at you're at today. Yeah, I'll do my best Reader's Digest version of that. <laughs> I grew up, I would say, primarily in corporate Fortune 500 world headquarters for most of my career, about 25 years of my career. And uh, it was in 2012 that I ultimately left the corporate world and did executive coaching and consulting at nuclear power plants all across the East Coast. So I did a ton of travel for a while. Um, and then it was four years ago I decided to... Uh, not travel as much. I love traveling, um, but uh, you know, every single week, Monday through Friday, um, for three years gets old really quickly. <laughs> and uh, that's when I uh, really started Authentic Leader, uh, a form it is today. Uh, so I've been doing that for about four years now. And what is it about this area of um, leadership and being authentic that kind of caught your interest in entrepreneurial bug? Yeah, well, it's a, a little of my own story and my own frustrations, I guess. Uh, part of my story is that, um, you know, when I was first uh, uh, t- what I call a title leader, and that is where in your title is the expectation that you are leading a team, you know, I, I just really struggled um, in that area. But I, I've also worked for, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have as well, worked for some really terrific bosses and really terrific leaders. And uh, a lot who weren't so terrific and were really difficult to lead. And the common theme I found is that leaders uh, who I really wanted to follow and I really admired and respected uh, were the ones who I wanted to to follow, um, no matter who, who they were as a leader. Um, and that's really what I call being an authentic leader, where people are following you because they want to and not because they have to. So in the uh, in the business world, I would say that sometimes people follow the title because it's good for employment. It's sort of, you know, they know you have the opportunity to make a decision about their livelihood. Sure. And it, 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 and and my experience is, and you tell me, Christopher Jones, if it's yours, that it's hard as a leader sometimes to know if people are genuinely following you because they believe in who you are and your authenticity or they're believe they're following you because um, you're their boss or you, you have the title. Sure. You know, it, it is hard to, um, but for the leaders who I work with, uh, we, we get very clear about, you know, what does it mean for them to be authentic in their leadership? And, and part of what that is, is, how, how do they lead in a way that fits them? There's no cookie cutter for this. There, there's no, like, if you, if you lead this way, you will be an authentic leader. It's really finding what fits them and what uniquely makes them uh, the kind of leader that they are uh, designed and intended to be. Now, there's some 
there's some common threads and common consistencies. For example, um, I find that many authentic leaders, they have a calm consistency in the way in which they lead. Um, they have uh, predictable results. You know what to expect. When you're working with them, you, you can expect uh, you know, to have this sort of interaction even with them. Uh, they're very clear about accountability. When, when you do something for that uh, authentic leader, you basically expect that you, you better get it done or, because you just simply don't want to let them down. But they also have an accountability to themselves a really strong uh, commitment to really following through on things that they commit to do themselves, whether someone knows it or not. I I think that's one of the strongest things I think an authentic leader can do is to make commitments to themselves and follow through on those commitments because people know if you're the kind of person that that does what you say you're going to do, whether anyone knows or not. So that's, that's interesting. I don't know if you began, if you started Steve, uh, sorry, Christopher to move into your seven key disciplines or not, but it sounds like being uh, accountable to oneself as a leader is a good way to bring people around to your leadership style. Is, is that one of your key disciplines? Yeah, well, it's a part of them. So one okay. of the, the seven disciplines I call self-leadership. I, I think you just need to lead yourself very well first. Uh, so one component of that is making commitments to yourself and following through on those, as well as making commitments to other people as well. Uh, but other other ways of leading yourself is um, having a consistent uh, way of prioritizing the work that you're doing so that you have confidence at any given time that what you're working on right now is really the very best use of your time. I mean, there's just a couple of those components in self-leadership. Of course, always learning. I'm sure that uh, you subscribe to that one, Rick. Uh, You're always learning. You should be going to training when you have opportunities. You should be reading books, listening to audio books, listening to podcasts. Um, You know, the whole learning thing never ends. So um, this doesn't sound like it would appeal to every leader that you speak to. Is that true? Yes, uh, kind of. So that I, when I'm called in to work with a leader, there are some times I'm brought in um, because someone is struggling as a leader uh, and I'm quote unquote assigned to them <laughs> as their coach. And those, those things don't work typically. Um, unless the leader is hungry and recognizes that they have an opportunity to improve, it can be very hard. I mean, I can lead you to water. I can show you all the things that you, should, you need to do. I can even help you come to the realization of the things that you should do. But unless you're convinced that you need to improve or you have an opportunity to improve or that you will benefit from improving in your leadership, there's only, there's only so much that I can do. You have to be convinced of that as a leader. So so let's talk about where you do spend your time. You know, We think of it here as a successful niche because we believe every entrepreneur, business owner that listens to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast should be able to quickly tell you where their niches are that they go after new clients and service existing clients. So tell, talk to us a little bit about your most successful niche market. Well, um, yeah, my niche uh, has kind of ended up being um, the financial industry uh, for some reason. I can't say I really figured that out, but I do have a lot of uh, financial institutions that seem attracted to me, and I, I just enjoy working with them. But um, the other side is really technology, um, and that one really does make sense because a large part of my career in, in corporate America has been in technology um, areas, especially in the IT area. So I can kind of speak that language. I think that's what may have helped when I did consulting at at nuclear plants as well, because it's kind of that engineering mindset um, to work with them. But uh, those are kind of the the niche industries. But when it comes to like size of company, I get that question a lot of times. 
uh, you know, I work with very large corporate businesses. I have one client right now. They're a $2 billion company. I'm working with the CIO and his leadership team. Uh, but I also work with small businesses. And I'd say I've had to learn how to talk small business. You can imagine working in corporate America for 25 years, you kind of pick up on that corporate speak. Uh, and uh, that doesn't necessarily always fly in, in small business. But over the past four years, I've really come to understand how small businesses think as well. I think that's interesting that you say that. And we're talking, by the way, with Christopher Jones, and we're talking about his authentic leader framework as well as his coaching practice that he that he has. Um, I, too, left the corporate world after 28 years, and um, I think in the first couple years it was as much retraining my brain on how to think and talk with business owners in the SMB space as it was anything else because I think you're right. I found some of the ways that I position things with in the corporate world just didn't ring true to the other clients that I was working with. So it was interesting how they're kind of two different worlds. Uh, when you when you meet a, a leader who is ready for your framework, what's the first step or is there ever, do you have a consistent first step or is it really sort of situationally based on the person and the individual you're working with? Well, yeah, everybody's in a different spot, obviously. Uh, you know, there's a, a spectrum of leadership as many times what I describe, and everyone's someplace different on that uh, that spectrum. And, and I'll go so far as to say, actually, I think everybody is a leader, and maybe we can talk about that in a moment. But when someone does come to me and we basically have an agreement that we need to be working together, they, they know that they can be better as a leader. Sometimes they know exactly what they need to, to work on. I've actually got a, a series of uh, really very simple questions that, I'll have initially with a client to see how well they know what they need to work on. Uh, but I also have a, a simple assessment that I have created um, that I can either walk the leader through or a small number of people on their team to kind of get them a, a third-party perspective on maybe some opportunities to improve as a leader that maybe they don't necessarily see, uh, especially um, that's one of the gifts that I give the leaders that I work with is I'll be an outside person that can see things that they certainly can't see because they're too close. But even people maybe on their team aren't able to see because they work too close to them. Do you find that emotional intelligence is a factor within your authentic leadership? It is, uh, especially, uh, and, and not to stereotype here, but, you know, when we're talking about the engineering type and the IT type, um, usually the emotional intelligence part uh, is not one of the strengths. Uh, so many times we'll have to go through some scenarios and, and help with, uh, you know, this situation that, that has just recently happened. Try to help put the leader into the person that they have spoken to, into their shoes, and have them understand maybe from their perspective, how it may have come across. Um, you know, lots of times uh, leaders unintentionally will maybe even damage their credibility as a leader saying unintentional things. And if you just modify it a little bit, you know, that, that might actually help with the, um, uh, the relationships you have there. One of the, uh, just an example I guess I could give you is that th there will be leaders who will talk about their direct reports. Uh, and they'll say, well, these are my direct reports. And it just can come across as kind of ownership and very hierarchical. That can many times turn off your team. And what I'll do is encourage leaders to talk about their team as their team. <laughs> they, they are a part of the team just as much as the, everyone else on the team is a part of the team. 
And I think it's important that leaders recognize that they're part of the team and just so happen to maybe have this title of leadership, but they need to think of themselves as a part of the, of the team itself. We're talking with Christopher Jones here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I asked him to come on the show because I first discovered his authentic leader framework and we had conversations, and I thought this is uh, a good conversation to have with our listening audience here in the program. And uh, is it ever, is there ever, has it been in your system, and maybe not it's not frequently or always, but do sometimes leaders have to have a hard realization of maybe to become a more authentic leader, some pretty significant behavioral changes that they have to go through to be able to, if they genuinely want to be an authentic leader in your framework, to get there and then stay there? Yeah, I mean, sometimes they do. Uh, there, there are some certainly where it may become a, a little more natural to them, and they kind of, um, as you mentioned before, kind of have a, a stronger emotional intelligence. But uh, really, when becoming a leader, you, you, you give up a lot. You, you are not doing it so much for the recognition and the glory and getting the awards. The, the most effective leaders who I work with are really focused on their team getting the recognition and getting the, um, you know, the accolades for, for the work they're doing. I, I heard a, it was a quote one time I heard, and um, gosh, uh, the, the name is uh, escaping me who said it, but what they basically described was that uh, an excellent leader is a leader whose team says that we just did that big project and that major accomplishment, um, and we did it ourselves, not realizing that maybe the leader had some opportunity to to direct some of the decisions that, that were made. And those are one of the most effective leaders where, where people don't necessarily know that. So how do, you, how do you engage your clients in the area of ego as it relates to an authentic leader? Well, um, it depends. I mean, uh, as I mentioned before, that I have a license to maybe say some things that other people may not. And one of the services I provide uh, to some of my, my leaders is that I'll actually come in and observe them maybe facilitating a meeting or um, doing a presentation or having a conversation with the team or something along those lines. And I'll, I'll just sit there and I'll, I'll be taking notes. And um, in those notes, uh, I will always identify here are the things that are working well um, and here may be some opportunities for you to improve. Sometimes that ego kind of comes through. An example, I guess, is one of the nuclear plants where I was working with an executive is that he would many times bring in lunch for the team. And uh, part of the lunch is, you know, maybe he gets sandwiches for everybody and gets a few big bags of chips. And he would just go crazy when someone would reach their hand inside the bag of chips <laughs> to get the chips. And I had to sit down and have a, a frank conversation with them to say, hey, you are not acting as a leader when you are getting mad and upset about someone reaching their hands in there. If you have a problem with that, maybe you just need to get your own bag of chips or choose not to have <laughs> chips right now, right? right? Because, you know, obviously it wasn't a problem for the team, but the team was was very aware that that bothered them. And then sometimes people will do that and like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just put my hand in there. Well, they sh you, you should not be afraid of your boss that way, especially for something silly like that. I, I don't know the situation, but I, it, as you're going through, it, I think of a Saturday Night life, life skit where when he's not in the room, they're mocking him maybe a little bit over his certain concern about putting your hand in the chips. I mean, it, it seems like it could take on a life of its own, and it might undermine his ability to be a leader because he's sort of being coming, uh, some, something that people are making fun of, either intentionally yeah. or unintentionally, right? 
Well, I'm sure that we've all been on teams where, you know, the boss leaves the room and now we start talking about the boss and, and you know, maybe it's a Saturday Night Live skit. I mean, I can't think of what it is, but I can definitely see that on the show. But that is what happens in real life. Uh, you know, when when the team leader or the, the supervisor is just not um, respected, uh, it ends up creating some distrust on the team. Certainly there's disloyalty on the team. You know, when the team is talking negatively about the leader when they're not in the room that is a sure sign that that there is big trouble coming so so christopher jones in your coaching practice when you say you're able to come into these meetings have you ever had the instance where you're in the room with the team before the leader gets in there and the chemistry of the team is noticeably different when he or she walks into the uh conference room yeah, that is not uncommon at all. You, you would think that with me sitting in the room being someone from the outside that the team would act differently. Uh, and maybe they do slightly, but it's, it's surprising how their hair is let down and they just they act like they normally would, not even considering the fact that I might be getting, giving feedback to the, the leader about what has happened before the leader walks into the room. That is not uncommon at all. And, of course, I have to share it with, with the leader what's really happening. But I need to make sure I temper that and make sure I deliver it in a way so that it is useful information. We certainly don't want that leader flying off the handle, getting mad at the team, even re- retaliating uh, on the team. I, I need to put them in a safe spot so that they know that, hey, th- this is something that you need to address. I need to help you with that. And we need to make sure that you are not uh, um, handling this in the wrong way. So I I think it is a universal truism. And there may be shades of this or a continuum of it. But I, I think most leaders have to understand that they are not one of the team, no matter how hard they try to act and say the words. At the end of the day, they are the leader. And for that reason, they are in a different position with their team. Do you agree with that, Christopher? I do agree with that. Uh, And let's just get really clear about that, is that when you are a title leader, there's a portion of your job that is being the leader of the team, but it's also being the manager. And a very good, effective leader and manager will know when to be a leader and when to be a manager. I I ask this trick question all the time, you know, which one is more important? Is it being a manager or a leader? And I always say, remember, it's a trick question. (laughs) And it really depends on the situation because as a manager, uh, you may not have time to make a decision. You may need to just say, as a manager, I'm making this decision, I'm making this call because we gotta go. Uh, But when possible, a manager should lead and allow the team to have a discussion and lead the team to a rational, good decision they can all get their hands uh, behind and, and support. You may not necessarily have that luxury all of the time, but a good manager, a good leader knows when to make that call and um, you know when to be the manager and when to be a leader. So, so y- you've led me in a logical area, and um, we're going to need to kind of bring the clo- uh, show to a close, but I, I, I don't want to close it without kind of getting this out of you. Tell me if this is true based on your experience. It would seem to me that as a leader goes through your seven key disciplines of being uh, kind of in the framework of an authentic leader, that 
that through that process, they might actually be able to be in a stronger position to both lead and manage because they're doing it w- w- in a congruency that the team can accept. So they might actually be able to even be more effective with their people because they can be more direct and they, they might not have yeah. to choose their words as much and they just sort of show up and deliver and the team responds to that. Is that, is that, is that a succinct way of saying what, what, what you do? Yeah, that's that's really good. What I'll describe that is is that leaders need to earn their right to be a leader. You don't automatically get to be a leader just because you have that title or you've been thrust into to that role. Even when you first become that role, you need to recognize that you need to earn it. And over time, this is not something that happens overnight. When once you earn that leadership, you sometimes when you pull that hat and you have to be the manager and make this decision, maybe controversial, maybe one that that people may not understand. You end up getting a lot of grace if you have taken the time to invest in earning your right to lead first. If someone would like to learn more about your business practice, you as a speaker and a coach and your authentic leader framework, how do they find you, Christopher Jones? Thanks for asking. So the easiest way is ChristopherRJones.com. There's a lot of Chris Joneses in the world, a lot of Christopher Joneses in the world. So it's, uh, there's an R there in the middle for my middle initial. So ChristopherRJones.com is the best way to, to start finding me. And then there are some links on there to like my social media and, and other things uh, if you'd like to get more information. Well, I, I've enjoyed this conversation. I want to thank you for being a friend of the program, kind of an extended member of the Critical Mass for Business community. And um, I look forward to staying kind of in a relationship with you now. I, I like the work that you're doing, the help that you're giving leaders. Thank you, Christopher R. Jones. You're very welcome. I always enjoy talking to you, Rick. Thank you for having me on the show today. My pleasure. I'd also like to thank our engineer for today, none other than Mr. Paul Roberts, our producers without whom we could not do this show each week, Joan Park, Crystal Hundley, <laughs> Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. Uh, if you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, let's start on, uh, I mean, if social media doesn't start on LinkedIn, I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.